Oh, yeah. I hope y'all feel alive about now. Make sure we have Miss Elin Jewell. You on the line there, girl? Yeah, hi. Hey, awesome. Thanks, Howdy. Uh, let me uh, just do a little intro here and let folks know what they heard, and then we'll, we'll start chatting. Uh, that okay. was a song called Alive from uh, Get Behind the Wheel, uh, one of my favorite cuts on this new album of Elin Jewell. And we started off from the top of the hour with Crooked River, another one from Get Behind the Wheel. And in between those two, we played off of Queen of the Minor Key, the title track, Queen of the Minor Key. And uh, I am so happy and thrilled and honored to have you with us. Welcome to our interview series, Miss Elin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. This is our sweetheart, <laughs> Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond series. And... Uh, I, th I think you very easily qualify for both. Um, so how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, thanks for asking. Oh, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from my home in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Very nice. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to get this quote that I just picked up. I love that. <laughs> I think it was from the Washington Post. It said, if Nico Case... Madeline Perot and Billie Holiday had a baby girl who grew up in front of a rockabilly band. She'd probably sound a lot like Elon Jewell. <laughs> that so I like cool. that one too. Yeah, isn't that fun. good? Um, you know, the, yeah, the, your influences are obviously very broad and wide, and you've recorded the blues album, uh, 2017's Downhearted Blues, and uh, Pure Twang with a 2010 tribute to Loretta Lynn. And have been putting out music since 2006, yeah, encompassing yeah. every shade of roots music. You know, the rockabilly, blues, country rock, uh, the psychedelic rock that I hear in uh, Alive and a lot of the, I'd say, edgier um, parts of Get Behind the Wheel. Um, mm -hmm. Do I also understand you have a, a gospel side project? <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh I just, I, I kind of love it all. So, um, yeah, I've, the Gospel Side Project was actually kind of a precursor to um, the band that I that I ended up forming and that is now my, my touring band. Um, yeah, it, I just, uh, I don't like to be bored, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, how would you describe the arc of your work? over the years from 2006 to now? Hmm, well, let's see. I guess I would say um, it's been like a really slow climb um, towards a certain amount of like uh, comfort and, um, you know, like we started out and um, no one really knew my stuff, but we just, we kind of caught on in a couple little places and we just kept going to those places and we just toured relentlessly, um, by we, I mean, me and my, my band and, um, I've, you know, I've recorded everything with them, been on the road with them since the beginning and, um, we just, we hit everywhere we could over and over again really hard and then eventually kind of caught on, but it's been um, slow and steady as she goes. Um, lots of touring, lots of recording, um, lots of just, um, 
kind of giving myself permission to follow the uh, whatever whim I'm feeling musically. Um, we, yeah, whether it be a country sort of ilk or like a blues sort of thing or folk or it's all to me it's all kind of the same music it's all it's all kind of folk music in a way it's like yes. music of the, of people. the people and mm-hmm. um well right. there's even some like like you mentioned psychedelic rock and and rockabilly and um early rock and roll and that that to me is all kind of yeah kind of the same thing but um i think it is kind of confusing for for some people but refreshing for others so we just kind of keep going to all the places <laughs> slowly building up a uh, a loyal fan base and um, at this point you know we, we went on our first tour in 2006 so it's been 17 years mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. touring um and uh yeah it's now it's kind of gotten to the point where i I feel like I can just count on the fact that if I if I leave the house with my guitar, there will be someone there, you know, to to listen to me that's kind of familiar with my music and who's a fan. So I feel really grateful for how far we've come. Yeah, well, you you've definitely put in the work and the time and the miles. <laughs> that's, that's a yeah, lot of miles. A lot of miles. A lot of miles. What that variety of genres that you draw from, like recently, you know, you know, what are there newer artists on the scene that you that have your attention? Particular new artists that you're listening to? What kind of things do you listen yeah. to? Yeah, um, I I love JD McPherson. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of him. Um, I mean, I consider him newer because he's contemporary. I I didn't used to listen to anyone who was still alive. (laughs) (laughs) So I consider this to be real progress for me. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's see. There's there's an Australian artist named C.W. Stone King, whose music I'm obsessed with. Um, I also really love Angus and Julia Stone from Australia. Um, and yeah, uh, let's see, Nick Shoulders. Oh, sure. I've heard some of his stuff. I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there, there definitely are some folks out there. Zoe Muse, who's a friend of mine. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they're doing something kind of similar in that you can hear like the, uh, the roots of American music in what they do. Oh, the Cactus Blossoms. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, the list is growing. I feel kind of proud of myself for <laughs> for branching out, bringing up your bring yourself up into this this century ish. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you I, know, I understand you have delved deep into the uh, you know the history and deep dives. Uh, one thing I just want to make sure I add: I am of the refreshing side. I'm on that side of it, not the ones who are confused. Just from back mm. to when you're speaking about how some <laughs> folks might find you like, you know, uh, we've, I, we have this discussion quite a bit when it comes to music and speaking with artists who, I don't know, I've not yet run across an artist who wants to be put into a box who, who, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just country and that's all I am or I'm just this, you know, their art is art, music is music and to hell with all the, you know, I mean, obviously in the music business and industry, they have to put a genre on you. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about Americana. 
really. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, right. Um, the, yeah, the deep dive, I, I appreciate, especially that blues one that you, you, you had to done so much listening to find some of these deeper cuts in these older releases. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I just, I grew up listening to the blues and really loving, loving it and just feeling like that was kind of where, um, my soul sort of felt the most comfortable as if I heard a really great blues song that just sort of, you know, came across the airwaves or if a friend played it for me, it's like, that's, that's what feels the most right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I, I say the same thing about a classic country song or like an old folk song, but um, slowly, you know, this there was just this list of blues songs that it was, I kept it on my, on my desk for a long time, just like blues songs I should cover someday. And I would he- hear something, you know, especially like the kind of more obscure ones that I felt like um, people might not know about. Um, I just kind of jot it down on this list and it wasn't to like make a record or for any real reason, just because like, I just thought, well, my, my band plays the blues so well and I love it so much. And I would love to kind of spotlight some of these more obscure artists. And so the list kind of grew and then, and then, uh, and then one day I was like, well, I just, what if we just kind of made a record of all these on this list, you know, let's see what happens if we play them and if we like it, let's put it on a record. So, so we did. And so like people like Memphis Minnie, you know, a lot of people who pay attention to the blues would know who she is, but I think there are a lot of people who kind of stay in other genres who might not know about Memphis Minnie, who would, I think she, you know, she crosses over well into the Americana world. Like I, I know Lucinda Williams covered one of her songs and um, actually the same one I did. Maybe that's where I got the idea. <laughs> Nothing in rambling. Um, so yeah, and you know, they just they had such an influence on me uh, when I was starting out, especially, and I was kind of like dreaming of what kind of music I would play or what kind of artist I would be. I sort of I was kind of worshiping um, Bessie Smith and Memphis Minnie, and so it was nice to like. I don't know, it's a nice excuse to to be able to say like, hey, check these people out. They're amazing if you haven't heard of them. Yeah. You know, Charles Sheffield, it's your voodoo working, for example. Like, go listen to it. Very nice. Uh, I want for for listeners, uh, it's uh, the name, name of the album is Downhearted Blues from 2017. And uh, they can check that out if they're so inclined. And we are uh, huge blues fans here at, the, at KZUM, so we might... Uh, you might get some downloads from that. Uh, let's mm-hmm. let's uh, jump into uh, Get Behind the Wheel, uh, just released in May. I appreciate how much it reflects such a broad emotional range, also lyrically and sonically, uh, like you like to do. It's, it's all the roots and the themes. There's plenty of grief loss. I understand you went through some really tough t- sadness but it's also empowering and positive. Uh, the the line in Alive it's just really got my attention. It's got to get behind the wheel. You got to drive to take, con- you know, and that basically taking control of your life. Such a great line. Uh, also, I don't know that we're going to get to play. Uh, we can if you'd like. Um, uh, the, the Bitter End. 
uh, that line, you crazy, crazy heart, you have to break before you can bend. That's just, mm-hmm. you have covered it so much and been through, from what I understand, a very, especially exceptionally rough time during COVID. And we, you know, it was challenging for everyone, but I think specifically for you, that that period sounded like it really created the fodder to craft the songs that, from behind the yeah. wheel. Um, could you tell us about what that process was like for you of, of uh, yeah. writing and, and cathartically just getting it out and getting it to maybe be an album? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went through my life until 2020 um, almost, almost totally immune to... Um, to like deep loss. Um, and then, and then suddenly in 2020, it all happened at once. It was like, my daughter and I were just talking about it last night. We, we were kind of reminiscing about how difficult those years were. And we were just kind of listing all the terrible things <laughs> that happened. And we even forgot to mention the pandemic. And then after this long list, I was like, oh, and oh, that. the pandemic was happening while all this was going on and she oh, and I were both just like sitting there in awe of uh what we survived um yeah it it, it was like um a, a huge a huge learning curve for me um i had never i'd never really had to grieve before and then um suddenly i was having to on multiple levels um and i didn't really know i didn't i didn't know what to do and um so i just i just wrote all the time i didn't know if it if i was writing songs or on, i honestly didn't know for sure if i would ever make an album again or um you know go on tour again it just seemed like i was just completely sitting in the ashes of my life mm-hmm. and i but i wrote to kind of try to make sense of what was happening, you know, in my heart and in my mind and, um, wrote, yeah, just all the time, anything that came to mind that felt remotely helpful or, um, true. So, uh, that combined with going out, um, as often as I could into just the wide open spaces. We have a lot of them here in Idaho, just, uh, trails, you know, rivers, lakes, anything that just felt like something that could be of comfort to me. And so, yeah, that's where I did a lot of my writing for the new album. I'm still kind of wondering where that sense of empowerment comes from. It's like, um, it's almost like what I always heard growing up in blues music, I think maybe that was so um, compelling to me was that I always got the feeling like, well, if you can sing about something, then even if you're singing about how much it has you beat, it doesn't really have you beat because you're still able to sing. And, and I guess that was something that I learned about myself too. Like, well, I'm still talking about these things. I'm writing about them. I'm, you know, there's like a triumph in that. It's like, I can, I can reach out to a friend and say like, 
this is what's going on for me and everything is just completely falling apart and <laughs> my life is a mess. And it's like, well, it's, it's not entirely so if you're, if you're still able to like share about it and, and um, you're, you're like in the ashes, but you're able to talk about the ashes. It's, it's still, there's a glimmer of hope there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that was what I wanted to really shine a light on was that there, there is still, there's like a sense of strength from, um, that comes from grief and, and grief has this way of kind of, um, influencing who we are. You sort of fold it into yourself. I mean, there are ways you can kind of like pretend it's not happening. And then I think it becomes really poisonous, but if you accept it and fold it into yourself and kind of let it reshape you there's there's a wisdom in that there's a lot to be learned from grief because it is loss is just a huge part of life um i i don't know i thought i was immune (laughs) but it turns out no it was just gonna all happen at once you got a big old surprise and not the kind you want (laughs) but possibly the kind we need we you know that that is a, a way of reminding us of our mortality and the fragility of all that we have that we may not it may not be it won't be the same nothing is the same so kudos to you for recognizing that and making some some beautiful art um it's just i think everyone at every point at some point in their lives needs to hear that message and uh, you've you've definitely communicated it well and uh, get behind the wheel i'd like to bring up a point uh, that you touched on there that I found, I remember very distinctly at the beginning of the pandemic when they were talking about, you know, we can't communicate with other, we're not supposed to really, you know, be in company with other people and how they're encouraging everyone to just get outside. You know, we had to wait until April because March was a little early here, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get out and, and explore nature and get in touch and how, how the garden industry exploded, exploded and uh, folks were... And it, it just, I've, I've kind of wondered and I thought about it myself and I don't know if you have a sense how you would, how do you feel nature nurtures us? Um, boy, it's probably different for different people, but for me, it's like, it's pretty crucial. And that, having been in a van for, you know, at that point it had been like, 14 years <laughs> touring mm. nonstop. It mm-hmm. was hard to, to get much nature time in at all. And so it was kind of like a, like I had known that at one time when I was much younger, um, but it was like a rediscovery for me. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is really, I've been thirsty for this. And um, yeah, it, it, it was great to, to be able to like, at least, at least the pandemic didn't take away the great outdoors, <laughs> you know? Okay. I don't know what I would have done then. It was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. it was huge. I, there's something about it. Um, I think partly for me, it was that it, being in nature was like, there, the trees don't really, they don't really care about your problems. You know, they're, <laughs> they're not judging your, your life or your life choices. They don't, there's no, you just go out there and you wander around among the trees and it's like, there's like a companionship there, but it's um, almost like an animal companionship yeah. too. Like the way they just 
it's like they're just there. There's no different from the human, the human companionship, which is often fraught. It's like exactly. you get a sense of being among kindred spirits, even though it's, yeah, they don't. They're incapable of judging you. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful friendship story. that you can have with that, with nature when you know they're yeah. just they're just there and they who they are, pure and simple, without any yeah, entrapments of all the yeah. business silliness that humans put on each other in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I, I wouldn't claim that trees are a, a good replacement or substitute for humans but they can they can really be a refreshing you know i'm not that into nature but um (laughs) but i would say that it's like it's a great anecdote for or uh, i mean antidote for the you know just take a vacation from your human problems and and kind of recharge with them that a little reset button yeah Yeah, so, folks, uh, we are speaking with Elin Jewell, and she's put out the Get Behind the Wheel album that we're speaking of, and this is KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD, and I want to move right on to, my goodness, your connection with Will Kimbrough. I, I've been a fan of his for quite some time, and both as a musician and extraordinary producer, how did that connection happen? Um, boy, a, a few different people recommended that I reach out to him. Um, I had never really worked with a producer before. Um, my band and I always produced um, all the albums, and, but I had always been curious about what it would be like to work with a really, um, you know, seasoned producer. Mm-hmm. Curious about like what that could do for me, and um, so yeah, people people recommended him and and not very many recommended anyone else so it just it seemed like kind of a no-brainer it was like well everyone's saying i should work with will so i'll reach out to will we had met once before on a festival he was playing with emmy lou harris and i think i played right before her or maybe two acts before her on the same festival so and he just seemed really down to earth and obviously really talented um so so yeah, so I reached oh, okay. out and he was willing, um, and it was kind of a miracle because he and I were both so busy that year. I guess it was just last year. It was about, it was last summer. Um, so, and it, yeah, just what a professional. I mean, he can, he can be as involved or as hands-off or, you know, he's just, he's very intuitive about what the artist needs and he plays so many different instruments that he was... He was a great asset to this album and, um, yeah, easy personality for sure to work with. Nice. Sounds like it was a really nice connection to have. And it turned, yeah. the product is beautiful. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in the music world, it seems like personality is like 95% of the battle because, you know, it, working together. That's just something you don't know if it's going to work until you're actually doing it. And by then it can be too late, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah I just, I feel really grateful that, um, that it worked out the way it did. And he played, well, he, he can play about anything from what I understand, but you're also mm-hmm. an instrumentalist. And how much did, were you able to contribute instrumental wise on your album? Uh, let's see. I played, 
um, acoustic guitar on this one and harmonica and the organ. Um, I believe I played organ on live. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I was just having a discussion yeah. with my friends about uh, Jim Morrison and and as uh, just left my my brain uh, his organ player. Oh, sh- oh, oh. Raymond Zarek. Yeah, Jim Zarek. There we go. <laughs> like ah. Um, and how that is is it's just a I don't know a classic, a beautiful sound. So that was must have been a, a well you've always played. I just thought with uh, as many instruments as Will played, he, uh, that's really cool that you got an opportunity to contribute as well. Yeah, I kind of um, it's like a a little uh, what do you call it like a tradition of mine. I I try to play organ on at least one song for every album because, <laughs> because even though I know I can hire someone to play the organ way better than I can, it's still, it's like, I have this kind of attitude sometimes where it's like, well, it's my album and I want to play organ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <play> organ. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I can. I want to. I'm gonna, yeah. gosh darn it. <laughs> exactly. It's so fun. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and I know you're, uh, you're in the middle of a tour that, from my little uh, poking around, looks like in the next couple of weeks you're going to be going from Boise to Illinois, right through Lincoln. It's too bad we couldn't mm-hmm. have snagged you for a little trip through Lincoln. But um, uh, tell us about uh, that yeah. tour. I know you're also going to end up, uh, you have two gigs at Americana Fest, with one at the day stage, you know, the... WMOT NPR thing with all those big yeah. names, John Plamens, you know, that's, that's going to be amazing. And your own little showcase uh, later on. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I've, I'll be there. I'm going to try to make at least, at least your uh, the solo showcase. But tell us about that tour okay. that you're on right now. Well, it's, um, let's see. It's, yeah, like the never ending tour. Uh, <laughs> we just, um, we just did a swing through the Rockies. Um, kind of in this neck of the woods, Colorado and New Mexico and Utah. And yeah, we're at home for a few weeks, heading out to the Midwest. Um, it's just a few dates. I think it's four. So we've got Chicago and then two at the Wheatland Festival in Michigan and then one in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it's It was kind of meant to be just a one-off at the festival, um, cause the offer was so good. It was like, yeah, let's go do it. And then we can never just keep it to like, to one appearance that we always, <laughs> we always be like, Oh, while we're at it, we really should see how our, our friends in Chicago are doing. And, oh, we couldn't leave out Columbus. <laughs> so, uh, it's hard though. You know, it's like a constant tug of war because I really do. I, you know, I would love to add, some dates in Nebraska on the way. Um, then, but then there's like this counter pole, which is towards home and my daughter, and she's like, you're leaving me again. Oh, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah it would have been a longer tour back pre pre daughter, but oh, yeah. And, it, and it's very important. I think for all of us to remember those, the balance of work and life and uh, the relationships to keep those nurtured and, and everything yeah. kind of growing. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't know if the balance 
actually exists. I've never been able to find it <laughs> personally. It's this elusive, just, yeah, eternal quest for yeah. that. But um, it's a worthy goal anyway. Yeah. Balance is a worthy goal. It is. And and obviously, you know, your your daughter draws you home and you're going to, uh, nurture that relationship so you know you're, you're balancing as you are as you can um yeah good job done that um I, well i it's geez i almost quarter tail we do have to close out but i want to close out um i had picked silver wings mostly be silver wheels and wings just because it's another one of my favorites uh oh, but yeah. i also love the bitter end and i don't know if you have a preference for which you'd like folks to hear boy uh, good question. Hmm. Silver wheels and wings might be a good kind of a counter to the three you played because um, they were they were all sort of more slightly more raucous. Yeah, a little heavier. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so dreamy and so sweet. Uh, when I called a uh, uh, mind, and so folks listen. Uh, to some of the lines in there, look what darkness brings, silver wheels and wings for me. It, it, it just, it feels like a bridge between the life and death, you know, or un- unconscious and conscious. Uh, if you could set up that song yeah. and uh, then we'll chat a little bit about uh, how do folks get a hold of you and uh, send folks off with silver wheels and wings. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. I still, I haven't performed this song live yet, so I, um, I'm still kind of thinking about how to talk about it, but um, it's a, it's kind of a, you mentioned like conscious, uh, unconscious. That, that's kind of what I was going for. It's, um, I have had some powerful experiences while meditating. And so the darkness is kind of like mm-hmm. the darkness that happens when you close your eyes mm-hmm. and you kind of wait to see what happens and, and the freedom that can arise from from that letting go but it it also i sort of meant it as like a to have a double meaning like darkness as in kind of like the the grief and you know the heaviness and Mm -hmm. the the sadness of life can lead to like a similar kind of release and freedom if we yeah we know if we know how to kind of not ignore it but you know honor it so that's yeah, that's what I was going for there, and um, folks can find out about me on my website, elenjewel.com. It's e i l e n j e w e l l, but I think Google can figure it out if you enter anything close to that. <laughs> and um, Facebook, the same, just my name and. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll wave to you all as I drive through Lincoln, and, okay. <laughs> and hopefully I can come back. I, I I have played Lincoln, though it's been many, many years, so I think we're overdue for Let's a say. trip back there. Yeah. I'd say so. Thanks well, so much awesome. for chatting. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time and presence today. It's just been a, a honor to speak with you, and let me... Oh, uh, we're going to close out then, y'all, with... Elon Jewels, Silver Wings, excuse me, Silver Wheels and Wings. (laughs) 